So what do I mean by a lot of times people think that it's only about price because I will choose a better, more expensive product, but I will also hold that person to a higher standard. Let's say it's a better steak. Let's just use steak as an example. And if I order a steak and I'm willing to pay $80 for that steak, let's say it's a really good one. It's a hundred and some dollars and it comes out and it's mediocre. I don't accept that. And here's why they made a promise and I chose to buy the promise. I said, Hey, you make a promise to give me something better than something else. Cool. I'm in. I don't mind spending more as long as the experience matches. And so that's, I think I want you to have that sort of approach to this as well. It's time to get inside your own head. Begin with the psychology behind your behaviors and fuse it with an acute understanding of self-awareness, emotion, storytelling, body language, and more. Then look at it all through the lens of the latest neuroscience research, broken down to its most digestible form. And you've arrived. Enhanced messaging, deeper connection, heightened influence, and a greater impact on the world. Welcome to the NeuroSide of Influence and Leadership with Renee Rodriguez. Welcome back to the NeuroSide. And today we're going to talk about actually one of my favorite things, which we're going to talk about price, the price frame. And a lot of people think that this has only to do with salespeople, and it doesn't. This has everything to do with anybody selling an idea that requires making an investment. And investments come in a lot of other forms more than price. It comes in terms of time and it comes in terms of risk. It comes in terms of energy. It comes in terms of time. And a lot of times people think that it's only about price. And a lot of people that would follow what I do, especially um, like choice I made, I don't want to sell something that is the lowest price. And the reason I don't is not because I want to make more money. It's because I, I don't believe internally that the lowest price is the best. I think that there are a lot of alternatives to things that are cheaper than what I choose to purchase that actually end up hurting me. There are a lot of things that I purchase cheaper that I end up having to buy multiple times over and over again. And in the end, cost me more. They hurt me in experience because I don't enjoy the process. They're not as comfortable, so the quality of enjoyment is down. And it's just not what I believe. And so I personally don't believe that. And so that goes kind of back into the, the, the first concept around this whole thing. And when I work with salespeople or I work with people that are trying to increase budgets or budget presentations, that the price objection or the price frame begins internal. Like you have to first believe that inside of you. Do you believe that price is number one? And if you do, then we got to start there. Like what do you personally believe about price? Because we have to begin with that. If you if you think that price is the end-all, be-all. Now, there's certain cultures that believe that, and rightly so, and, and they will push that and do that. Now, that, that, that's awesome, and if that's what you want, then go for it. But it's, it might be a worthy experiment to say, what is it that you believe? Because I also know that some cultures believe in, in price and getting deals. And Now, this doesn't mean you can't get a deal, by the way, and it doesn't mean that some things are overpriced, and it doesn't mean that you can overcharge, by the way. You have to be able to defend price because I will choose a better more expensive product, but I will also hold that person to a higher standard. I have been to places, let's say it's a better steak. Let's just use steak as an example. And if I order a steak and I'm willing to pay $80 for that steak, let's say it's a really good one. It's a hundred and some dollars, Kobe, Wagyu, something like that. And it comes out 
and it's mediocre. I don't accept that. And here's why. They made a promise, and I chose to buy the promise. I said, hey, you make a promise to give me something better than something else? Cool. I'm in. You made a promise. If you don't deliver on the promise, I'm going to say something about it. And, and here's why. If you make a promise and don't deliver, that's just lying, cheating, stealing. Like, hey, I'm going to give you this amazing thing, and then when you pay for it, you give them something else. That's not – no integrity. And, and here's what I've also come to learn is that anybody selling a higher-end product actually appreciates the communication. Now, I don't do it rudely, but I say, hey, look, here's, what the, here's the deal. I, I bought off on your, your offer to get me a $100 steak. This was way overcooked. I mean, look at it. And usually anybody there that's of any worth their weight in any sort of service is going to look at it immediately and go, no, I get it. I see it immediately, and they remedy it. And now here's the cool part. They earn my business. They earn my referral. They earn my review because they did the right thing. I don't mind spending more as long as the experience matches. And so that's, I think I want you to have that sort of approach to this as well. So the overcoming price, that price frame is an internal experience first. You have to ask yourself what you believe. And here's why. Because if you don't believe it, but you're trying to sell it, I'm asking you to do something that's out of integrity because that's, that's where the rub comes into play. And this is where I think a lot of people fall into, I don't want to be in a sales mode. I don't want to be salesy. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be persuasive. I don't want to... Nobody's asking you to do that. I'm especially not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to ask yourself what you believe. If you believe in quality, then you got to learn how to communicate quality. And so for this session, I want to have some fun. I want to go back into some of the old school views about how the initial languages were set for overcoming this. And I think there's some huge value in revisiting Tom Hopkins and Zig Ziglar and sort of some of the initial people that were starting to get some phraseology on it. And I think we can, we can modernize it a little bit and we can take a look at how can we make it more suitable for, for today. And I think there's a lot of philosophy behind it. I think there's a lot of thinking that goes into what kind of thinking that is. And so going back to what it is that you actually believe about price is a really, really, really good place to start. And so I, I go back to Zig Ziglar one of the best ever, right? He was 17 years selling cookware. In fact, the same sets of cookware that I sold, Salad Master. These are sets of cookware that, you know, are 25, at the time I was selling them, were 2,500 bucks on average. And you're trying to convince people to spend a significant amount of money more than what people are used to spending. And when you do that, uh, all of a sudden now, you're, getting people out of what they're used to doing. And so you have to be able to communicate an exponential amount of value to be able to do that. And so there's, there's frames that are at play. If you're, you're dealing with somebody who says, okay, I've got a, a frame of reference or a frame that says I pay $50 for cookware or I inherit cookware from my parents and I don't ever buy them again, ever again. There are also certain people that go, I can go to Walmart and go to Target and buy some, some uh, nonstick cookware and when that goes away, I'll go buy another one, which goes into, again, cheaper product having to repurchase over and over again. Now, the cool part is I sold cookware starting at 18 years old. I'm 46. I still have that same cookware, and it looks exactly the same. Do you know how cool it is to know that I sold something that retained its value and quality? That, to me, is it's amazing. So if Salad Master is watching this, use this. I'm a huge fan, still am. Waterless greaseless cookware all the way. You got it. So let's go back to 
some old school phraseologies and some old school scripting because I think this is good. And I want to go through the old school exactly how it was said because I went through and I sort of um, made it specific to certain industries, but then I think we can modernize it if we understand it. But I think it's critical. We have to understand what the old school folks were saying. And this is what they call the quality close. And I have it written down here because this is good, but a lot of this is also memorized, which is kind of fun. But <clears throat> the quality close, it's really about saying, how do I move the conversation away from price and into quality? Those are two different frames. Because right now the, there's, and we're going to talk about this concept too, by the way, the, the time of performance and the time of, uh, excuse me, the moment of purchase and the time of performance. And those are things that, that we're going to get into. We're going to get into what we call the Alan Shepard story and all of that. Because I think that that's, that's a critical phrase that, that, that you're going to want to learn. But old quality clothes goes something along the lines of this. Somebody says, you know, it's, it's too expensive, right? The response was something along the lines of this. Well, I'm glad that you're concerned about price. Because that's actually one of our most attractive features. Again, right begins right away with a reframe. Puts a frame around attractive feature around price. Which I think is really, really cool. It begins to shift the mind into understanding that maybe there's something else here. And then it goes into a question. Questions are really good. Wouldn't you agree that a product or service is value is measured by what it can do for you and not what you have to pay for it? Like a glass of water can be worth a million dollars at the right time in the right situation. Let's say you're stranded in the desert and that glass of water is between you and survival. You'd probably pay everything you had if it meant seeing your kids again. Now, there's a whole other side of called price gouging and lack of integrity and all that sort of stuff that we would have to get into on that. But we're talking about value here, okay? You see, our company made a decision many years ago. Critical question, by the way. That's a really important phrase we're going to talk about. That phrase of saying, what company, what decision did your company make? What company, what decision did you make when you decided your value proposition? Because we're all faced with decisions. So here's the phrase. You see, our company made a decision many years ago. Did we want to be like all other companies and spend our money on advertising to generate business and hire as poorly trained people as we could at the cheapest rate? Or did we want to hire the best talent, the people that understand the value of building relationships that would take the time to understand the real needs of our clients and solve the real issues? Now, if you're talking about hiring talent to service people, that's one way. Let's say it's a product, you'd say it this way. Did we want to be like all other companies and spend our money on advertising and generate business only to build poor quality products in hopes that they'll purchase them again? Or did we want to spend all of our money on the highest quality material to build a product that would last forever. Those are two different phrases around product and people. As you can see, we decided it would be a lot easier to explain price one time than it would have to be to apologize for poor service, bad advice, or even worse, the wrong program forever. Well, this would be, if you were not selling a service, it would be, as you can see, we decided it would be a lot easier to explain price one time then it would be have to apologize for poor service and poor quality forever. And so that phrase, we knew it would be a lot easier to explain price one time. Ask yourself for a minute. Is it easier to explain price once or to apologize later? Because I know a lot of people, it, gosh, especially in the internet, I see things online. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And I buy them and then it breaks. Now, I'm not, it wasn't told that it was coming from another country or that it was cheap or anything like that. I, thought, I saw the advertising was good. And I bought it and it broke. And there's no way of getting a hold of them. And so do you want to be somebody that says, okay, I'd much rather explain that I'm a little bit more expensive now than I have to apologize later on that I didn't do what I said I was going to do. 
that's an easy decision for me. That is a, such a simple decision because especially me as a keynote speaker, I tell people, I said, look, I'd much rather explain my, my fee that's more expensive than somebody else's or at the end of this, when you've put your entire company in a room and have me talk to them for an hour, hour and a half and to explain that I didn't deliver, that's a much more painful conversation. And so for me able to get to that, I've had to be ready for it, right? And so as you can see, we decided much easier to explain price one time than have to be apologized for poor service or poor quality or lack of results forever. Just put the things that you're offering in that. And then there's a great question. Say, so I think you'd agree with me that a good product, maybe a good price on the wrong product is really something you don't want to pay, right? So there's lots of ways to say that. So think about that. That's again old school, but still has some really inherent philosophies in there of saying, okay, to me, what I take out of that is would I rather explain my price once? If you're in the mortgage industry, would I rather explain my, my increase in a fee right here one time versus have to apologize for the wrong program? And I think that the, the, in, if you are in the mortgage real estate industry and you're explaining your fee, there's a lot of people look, will, will, I think, make the mistake of saying, well, it's like you know, getting a stake and things like that. But there's so many analogies that I think aren't, don't land well with consumers when it comes to interest rate because you're seen as such a commodity. And I think there is, and this, this came, up, came, came up for about, an hour, about, a, about a month ago. I was thinking about what is the right analogy for that? And I think it comes down to this. This is the analogy, if I'm in your industry, what I would use. Because what, what the stake doesn't account for is the pain it causes your family or the product purchase. It doesn't account for, okay, if I underpaid for that, then I just get a new stake. My family isn't affected. It's not that big of a deal. Not much is lost in a poor quality. But in a mortgage or in a real estate transaction, God, everything's lost. My family's inconvenienced. There's so many things. And, and that's the piece that, you know, when you go for the lowest price, it's like, man, gosh, you know, well, I've got heart surgery. Do I want the discount heart surgeon? No, no way. No way. We got discount heart surgery over here. No, no, thank you. Triple bypass, two for one. No, yeah, no, yeah, keep going. No, thank you. I want the one that doesn't need that because they're so good. Yes, it costs more, but what's at stake? But the analogy, I think, is simple. Somebody says, well, your interest rate is too high. I said, yes, I know that. And there's a lot of reasons for it that a lot of people won't tell you. And the reason is, is that you're going to show up that day. And a good percentage of loans in this industry don't close because of the people involved don't understand and they make promises they can't deliver. Let me ask you a question. Next vacation you take with your family, you're going to have choices on how you do it. And I guarantee you, whatever disc, whatever sort of price you find for your airline and hotel, I can find you one cheaper. All it would require is for, you, for me not to tell you what hotel and what airline you're going to be traveling on and also what time. I'll tell you the day and the city you land in, and the city approximately within a certain radius that you're going to be staying in. And it's going to save you several hundred dollars. You're going to save money. But at that point, that analogy, people are saying, okay, hold on a second. I'd rather pay a little bit more to know exactly where I'm staying and to know what time I get there and to make sure that, I, that those details are in place. And I think that's the same is true in mortgage and real estate. But and we, we have those. Priceline was like that. Hotwire was like that. There's a lot of ones. You could save money, but you just, there was a lot of things you didn't know. So if those things were, were not important to you, those were the people that would take those, but not me. And if you've got a family at stake, if you've got other things like that at stake, I'd much rather pay a little bit more to have a insurance on those items than to not. So for what it's worth, that's the other one. 
So let's talk about the other this other concept of I can get it cheaper somewhere else because that's another thing I think a lot of people run into. Getting it cheaper somewhere else, I can have somebody else pay for it. I can get the budget somewhere else. It's a lot of things. And I think this concept goes really far. And I'll read the script to you and then we're, we're going to dissect it. It says, you know, I've learned several things over the years in this industry and in, in what it is that I do is that people typically look for three things when they're spending money. First thing they look for is highest quality, right? We want the highest quality. And of course, they also want the best service. But then they ask, want the lowest price or the lowest investment. What I've also come to learn is that no company can actually offer all three. They can't offer the highest quality, the best service for the lowest price. And I'll just stop there for a minute. Think of the reality and the truth of that. That high quality and best service costs money. And if I want to have low cost, who's paying for those things? Are we expecting companies to be charities and saying, hey, we're going to lose money so that you can get high quality and get service? No, that's not how it works. You don't go there. I mean, let's say the company says, hey, we want to do that. And to do that, you got to come to work for free two days a week because we want to be able to offer high quality and great service at a low cost. But to do that, we got to cut our labor costs. No, we wouldn't do that. So internally, we don't believe that either. And so why are we asking companies to do that? To me, we just got to hold them to the standard of service and hold them to the standard of quality. And so when we look at that and say, okay, now we say, okay, so they can't offer the finest quality, the best service for the lowest investment. And I'm curious. This is a really important question. It's called getting real with clients. For your long-term happiness, which of the three do you think you'd be most willing to give up? Would it be the lowest, highest quality? Would it be the best service? Or would it be the lowest investment? And that to me is such a powerful phrase because it helps clients get real. What is actually important to you? Is it, is, if it's the lowest price, I don't care about the service and quality, just get me out of here. Great. Then you know what? You, it may not be a fit for you. I have some clients that say, okay, great. We know exactly. You and I are done talking. I've got a group over here that they're going to take care of everything. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. You're going to get a letter in the mail of what your excellent thing is. And they just remove service and remove everything. By the way, that's how Spirit and some of these other airlines have, have done. They're saying, hey, everything you have, you want is also a la carte. Here's the price. If you want this, it's the price, this price, that price. Now, some people are okay with that. You know, if you don't want to bring any bags, we're not going to charge you any bags. If you want to bring bags, we're going to charge you a little bit more than everybody else does. And so we get mad about that. Nothing get mad about it. That's just their business model. It's just how it is. But we get entitled to think we want everything and the lowest price. It doesn't work that way. This is not, it's just not it. And so let's stop doing that. But we also have to be learning how to communicate that in certain ways. And so remember that. It's, it's, you can't have all three. And then you as, if you're competing too, you got to decide who you are. We've talked about competitive strategy. So nobody, somebody says it's too, the price is too high. Okay. Too, too high. Okay. So this is another one that we could talk about. And this one, it's, it's super old school, but I, I think it's great to think about. And that doesn't mean you're going to say this stuff. You got to think about the, the sort of the thinking behind it so that you can wrap your mind around it. So Mr. And Mrs. Product, do you like this product or service? Because they said, well, say, of course we like it. So great. You look them in the eye. This is always an important thing. If you're old school sales, you look them right in the eye. And again, I'm, I'm be doing this somewhat facetiously here. Wouldn't you agree that it's difficult to pay too much for something that you really like? Now, it's sort of, some people might say yes or no, but I don't know. So let me point out to you that you'll be concerned about price one time, and that's today. But you'll be concerned about the quality of this product for your entire lifetime of this product. And think about that. So let's, let's, let's modernize that phrase a little bit. 
I probably wouldn't say in today's world, wouldn't you agree it's difficult to pay too much for something you really like? And because I, I, my answer internally is say, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I could pay, I could pay way too much for things that I like because I don't need it. Uh, and so probably in a modern world that probably worked in a, in, in the old school sales world, eh, not so much today, but this whole concept around that we're going to be concerned about price one time and that's today. Yeah. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've haggled over interest rate and payments and, and price on something only to have the product later on in a month later to a year later. And I remember what, what the price was or the interest rate. And like most people don't remember what those things are now. This is another question. Wouldn't you agree? And this is, I, I firmly believe this. That it's, wouldn't you agree? It's better to invest a little bit more than you had planned than a little less than you should. Would you agree that it's better to invest a little bit more than you had planned than a little bit less than you should? Let's break that down. You see, if you invest a little bit more than you had planned, we're just talking about pennies. But if you invest a little bit less than you should, keyword is should, and the product or service didn't do what you expected it to do, then you actually lost everything. You didn't lose the incremental pennies. Like if you're expecting to, you're expecting to pay 100 but you spent 20 125. Well, you paid you paid $25 more, but it did everything you wanted it to do and, and more. But you were ready to spend 100 and you spent 75 and your product didn't do anything that you wanted it to and it broke, you lost 75. So that's what we're really talking about. And so that philosophy again this is all about getting you to think internally of what do you believe? What do you believe about this stuff? And so there's, there's two things I want to leave you with because I, like, I want to I talk about. There's a, there's a sort of a modern version of this that I put together based on sort of the Amplify principles that uh, um, all my clients, when they hear me talk about it, they all want they all want the script and I can try to put it in the show notes and everything. But it's, it's about a story by the name of uh, a guy by the name of Alan Shepard. If you haven't heard about Alan Shepard, he was the first American to enter space. And when I first heard the story, I immediately was blown away because I thought this is a great way to help reframe price into something that was more manageable and really got us to what mattered most, which is the performance. And again, this is about time at the moment of purchase. I call it the moment because it is a, it's a fleeting moment of purchase. And then moving us into the time of performance because that's a much longer lasting piece. So we're talking about moments versus much longer time periods. And so I'm going to read to you so the quote of how I looked at it. But you have to understand this sort of historical framing. Whenever you can talk about history, I think it's a powerful thing that you can reference the historical nature of things. Because history is a, is a very powerful way to bypass certain defense mechanisms in the brain. History is, is, is insightful. It, it makes people think differently. It, it gets us to think, wow, you know, I, I never knew that. It's, it's fascinating. And so it goes along the lines of something like this. So if I ask people, hey, do you know who Alan Shepard is? And I'll, I'll usually tee this up in the beginning. If I can predict that a, an object, objection is coming, I'll, I'll put this up front. So you know, do you know who Alan Shepard is? And gosh, it's, it's surprising how few people do know who he is. And they'll say, well, yes or no. I say, well, he was the first American to enter space. So it was 1961, May 5th, 1961. He's sitting atop of the Redstone rocket on the Freedom 7 mission, about to be launched off into space. Now, remember, first American. That means there hadn't been any others before him. Sitting on this huge hunk of metal, about to be rocketed into space. Imagine how he's feeling. This was also written in the book from Gene Krantz in his book, Failure is Not an Option. It's kind of cool. And they asked him, they said, so, Mr. Shepard, you're about to be launched off into space. We want to know what's going through your mind. What 
is going through your mind. And his response will forever go down in history when he says the fact that every part of this rocket was built by the lowest bidder. Now, let that sink in just a minute. The fact that every part of the rocket was built by the lowest bidder. Now, how often when they were building that rocket, or maybe when you're building your plan, or when you're doing in, in, in doing your budget, or when we're buying something, we're in that moment of purchase mindset. We're in that moment of purchase mindset where we're thinking, how do we save money? How do we cut corners? We think budget. We don't want to overspend. We lose sight of the time of performance, which is in the future, or whatever we're purchasing, investing in. It's got to perform. It's got to keep us safe. It's got to create the memories we're trying to create. But we're not thinking that way in that time, in that moment of purchase. We're thinking about price and cuts and budgets and, and deals. But here he is sitting atop the Redstone rocket the, where the rubber meets the road, and he's not thinking price. He's thinking quality. He's thinking, did we invest enough? Please tell me you got the right stuff. See that joke there, by the way? But did, tell me you did it right. Tell me you, you had spent the money so that I'm going to be safe back for my family, that I'm going to survive this thing. And I think that's the job of leaders. That's the job of salespeople. That is the job of teachers is to help us see the future and help us make decisions now that are going to benefit us then. And sometimes in some scenarios, that means spending a little bit more than we had anticipated. And our ability to be able to create that frame of reference and to be able to tell the story, to evoke the proper emotions and to be able to bring the future consequences to the present moment. That is why we can make a decision like that. But if we can't do that, we're going to be stuck making short-term decisions that probably aren't going to serve us in the long term. And so this whole piece really outlines this time of performance versus that moment of purchase. And I think that when you, you use that, you say, you know, here's why we're more expensive. is because we built this company. We made a decision a long time ago that we wanted to build a company based on being able to look you in the eye around the time of performance because we knew it would be a lot easier to explain price around the moment of purchase than it would be to have to apologize forever because at your time of performance, the time you're sitting atop the Redstone rocket facing your customers that we didn't deliver, that was an easy decision for us. See how you can emerge all of that thinking into a story, into those philosophies that mean something to me. And if you personally believe those, you're not going to have to memorize them. It is important to memorize, by the way. I like memorizing good scripting, good phrases, phraseology. But when you believe them, it'll just come out at the right time because you believe it. And your job is to transfer that belief to someone else to help them make a better decision for their life and their business. And so I guess the last one I'll leave you with is the question that I get all the time. And if you know me, you've done business with me, if you're listening, if you're one of my clients listening to this, you've heard this from me. People will say, because I say the same thing, no matter what it is. And, and again, this also goes into the difference between manipulation and influence. Manipulation is extreme use for the or influence and persuasion, persuasion used at, at an extreme at the detriment of someone else, at the expense of someone else. And it's usually done underhandedly, right? Not on top of the table, if you will, right? So it's something hidden. But influence is very overt. It's saying, hey, this is why I'm doing this. And influence is, is not something that is at the expense of anyone. Influence is usually for the betterment. But it's also something that's very uh, um, overt, meaning it's very, it's very upfront. And so people say, Renee, what's it cost to bring you in? And my response is always, I'm sorry, to bring me in or not to bring me in? And I smile. 
And of course, my clients have used me before. So, Renee, what's the cost of brain? Yes, yes, I know to bring me in or not bring me in. And my response is the same. I said, great. Then that's the real question. Let's talk about it. Because you know that's the only thing that matters. If I say that, I usually get one of two responses. They'll say either one, they giggle and they go, that's awesome. That's a good one actually to bring you in. Or they'll say some sort of confused, wait, hold on, like kind of intrigued, confused, uh, no, to bring you in. And I'll always say, well, I say that a little facetiously, but it does bring us to the actual, I think, most important question around the value. You're a business person, and if it costs you more money to bring me in and use my services than to not, then it's not going to cost you anything because you're just smart and you're not going to use me. But if there is a solution that I bring to the table that could solve a problem for you, that the cost of solving that or the value of solving that far exceeds the cost of bringing me in, wouldn't you agree that the difference between the cost and the value would be a that you didn't experience would be a cost to you. And they kind of look at me and they go, yeah, actually. I said, I agree. So why don't we understand the value we're trying to create first? Then we get out a piece of paper and a pen, see a number that works for you, a number that works for me, and we just make sure that my number is a lot less than the value that I'm going to bring. And if I don't do that, you don't pay me a dime. How does that sound? And they always say, that makes a lot of sense because now the only thing we have to invest is our time, but we're mutually going to invest that together. I'm going to invest my time, you invest your time, now we're in this in the same boat. And so that whole concept is about two of us coming together around the real concept. And there's a, a great book called Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play. I just love the philosophy of that concept that really what it's saying is that you know, a customer is not any better than, 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 than the salesperson or the, the leader. We're all in this together. I, there's, it's a value exchange. You know, there's nobody better than anyone else because, yes, I might be selling a product or I might be in, in enticing you on a vision if I'm a leader or a manager, but also there's something, there's a benefit in return for that. And it usually should outweigh the money or the time or the, or the risk. And those are, those are valuable relationships when they're equitable that way. And we have to be able to communicate that equity in terms of uh, our ability to be able to persuade and to be able to help people see the value. And when you, when you start seeing persuasion as really just communicating value, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm not trying to sell you or, or manipulate you. What I'm trying to do is help you see the fullest value of what it is of the decision you have in front of you. And once you see the fullest value, then you can make a decision based on that information. You're really just trying to help people have all the information so that they can make a decision based on that. Because I know certain things that were really valuable and things that people should have done, but I didn't communicate them well. And afterwards, they were so upset that I didn't do that. And so we have to be able to do both. Communicate the value, but we have to believe it first. And so all of this comes down to what do you believe about price, about value, about quality? What do you believe in terms of how you purchase things? And I, I tell people all the time, begin by making a decision in your life to invest in higher quality things. If you are selling a high quality, high ticket item, if you're asking people to make big investments in themselves, if you're asking people to make, take big risks, if you're selling visions that require massive change, then you better be somebody that does those things too. If you're trying to convince people to make changes, you better be making changes as well so that you are of integrity when you are asking that question. If you're asking people to spend more money, if you're in mortgage and you don't own a home or real estate, you don't own a home, start by being your own first customer. Buy a home. 
I mean, seriously, keep it simple. If you're, if you're selling Mercedes and BMW, but you drive a Ford, you might want to reconsider what you're doing. If you, if you sell high-end, be high-end. If you sell quality, be quality. So you've got to believe it before you can communicate it. So again, this is something I love talking about because it's, it's an endless sort of philosophical discovery. I hope you enjoyed today. I really do. We've got lots of things on the docket. Please, if you enjoyed this, please share it. Share it with people, theneuroside.com. Go to meetrenee.com. We've got Amplify events that are selling out, but we still have some spots available. We've got our AmpCon event coming March 14th, 2022 in Las Vegas. That is going to be exciting. Go to AmpCon, A-M-P-C-O-N, like Amplify Conference, ampcon.live, and you'll see some great videos, some of the most amazing individuals coming from all over the country uh, to be there. And our book, April 2022, it's coming, but it's also available for pre-sale at buyamplifiedbook.com. Also available on meetrene.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. All of it's going to be there. If you want to buy extra copies, reach out to me personally. We've got some amazing uh, things that we can do for you if you end up buying several hundred of those copies. So please like, comment, share, all the really cool stuff. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and we will see you next week. Thank you for sharing this time with us. If the experience resonated with you, follow us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or AmplifyMyLife.com. Share it with anyone else who's ready to amplify their lives. And remember to let our hearts speak in sequence. For more from Renee Rodriguez, visit MeetRenee.com.